Turn in your Bibles to the first book of Corinthians, the fifth chapter. We looked this morning at the time. Now we're going to look at the event, the Passover. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let us pray. We thank thee, our Heavenly Father, for bringing us once again into this thine house. We thank thee for our Lord and Savior, for he paid that which thy justice demanded, the sin debt that we owed. We bear our sins to the cross. We just thank thee for this great salvation. We plead thy great mercy that endureth forever. Thy son shed blood, the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. We plead thy spirit's guiding and quickening. Open our eyes and our ears now to the truth of thy word. We pray for our loved ones that are not in our midst, our pastor. Keep your protective hands upon him. Guide him in making decisions. We pray for again for Brother Hilly, man in restoration of health, and provide him and his family's needs. Help us to worship thee in spirit and in truth, and exalt the name of Christ above every name. For it's in the name of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we do ask. And Amen. We talk about leaven. Leaven points to bad things. That's the way sin works. It starts small and it gets worse. It talks about the leaven of malice and wickedness. How those things get worse. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The Passover, the all... All was centered around the Passover lamb and unleavened bread. Of course, that's Jewish tradition we hear of, Jewish history. The Passover, as we made mention earlier, is where the original Passover, the children of Israel, put the blood of the Passover lamb upon the doorpost and the lintel. And the destroying angel passed over them. In the book of Luke, the the 22nd chapter, the 21st verse. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined... But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. Christ was foreordained to, to be God's lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. He was, it was foreordained that he would die in man's place. In the book of Acts, the second chapter, the 23rd verse, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken by wicked hands 
and have crucified and slain. As we just read there in Peter, no, excuse me, Luke chapter 22, Judas was to blame for what he did. Even though God had decreed it would come to pass. When Christ was on trial before Pilate, he made mention that Judas had the greater condemnation. But nevertheless, man is responsible. It's one point that I'm wanting to make. Even though God foreordained it, Christ would be our Passover lamb. Man is accountable for his sin. He's dead and unable to come to Christ, we know. Some people think that this was plan B, that Christ going to the cross at Calvary was just the last-ditch effort that God would redeem fallen man. It was God's plan all along. If you look at Cain and Abel, Abel's sacrifice was the blood. Cain brought of the cursed ground. We know what happened there. In the Romans chapter 3, verse 25, talks about the blood whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood and to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, you find many places in Scripture that tells us that it was foreordained before the foundation world that Christ would die in man's place. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. Now, when Christ walked this earth, he was sinless. God cannot sin, but nevertheless, he had to walk the 30, 33 years without sin. He had to do it as a man. In the book of Matthew, to the fourth chapter. Christ was tempted. He, he, the temptations had to be real for him to be tempted as we read over in the book of Hebrews was in all points tempted as we, but without sin. Christ was tempted when he was hungry. Hadn't eaten in 40 days, 40 nights. The tempter came and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. If thou be, he knew who he was. Basically, he could have been trying to torture him. By, I mean, you, you say you're the Son of God, you haven't had anything to eat. You was born in a barn. 
Christ answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Perhaps the wicked one was trying to find some selfishness in Christ. In the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, that same event, Luke's version of it, The devil taketh him up in verse 5, Luke chapter 4, into a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If thou wilt therefore worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus answered, and, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. And him only shalt thou serve. He did not dispute the fact that the devil was a prince of the present evil world. But all that man had lost as a man would have to be regained by man as a man. And of course Christ did regain that. God predetermined these things. Christ would bear our sins and brought it to pass. Man is responsible, but dead and unable. All his things are, I guess you'd say, contingent upon the blood of Christ being poured out and him dying in man's place. Well, according to our text, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The debt is paid. Man has been redeemed by design. I don't think it's each drop of blood for each sinner. I think the design God gave his son, his son took our sins, we got his righteousness. That's also, I believe, in that's in Second Corinthians. Seems like. I think I can find it. For God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Great transaction, the great transaction. That's what we all center around. The scenario of the Passover, God's chosen people, that's Israel, being in bondage in Egypt, place that will worship many false gods, but not the true and living God. God's people having no way to free themselves, crying out for the cruel treatment that they've sold themselves into. It was man's fault that he was there. It was the Jews' fault that they were there. Had they not treated their brother like Joseph like they did, they might not have ended up there. That's another story. They brought it upon themselves. Joseph was a great type of Christ. And down in Egypt, they did not have any Passover lamb. That's just, that's, there's an interesting point there. In the Genesis 37, chapter, chapter 37, verse 2, 
These are the generations of Joseph. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock of his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Billah, and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought to his father their evil report. Make a long story short, they sold him into slavery. And they end up going down to Egypt. And they had, eventually they got big and they had to come out of Egypt. And long story short, Joseph called for his father to come down to Egypt when they found out that Joseph was alive. The Egyptians, chapter 46 and verse 34, something interesting here. This is in the book of Genesis. Joseph told his brethren, verse 34, Genesis 46, that ye shall say thy servants' trade hath been about cattle for for. From our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. Now, you think about that. They would not have had no Passover lamb, and of course they didn't on the night of the Passover. They had death in every house. That's just one of the interesting things that we see. Christ, our Passover, is Passover died in our place. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, and we were. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. We have been redeemed by the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Every action has a reaction. Sin sells one into bondage. When one don't receive Christ, they reject Christ. Simple as that. Bondage, if, if you reject one, you take the other, basically. Selling yourself into bondage. And this bondage comes slowly. We read about the, the wicked rulers of the world. Hitler only took one freedom at a time. We see our government doing the same thing, taking one thing at a time. That's the way man falls into sin. The children of Israel began their stay in Egypt as heroes. If you look at how Joseph helped save the place. But look at where they ended up. That's the way sin works. When they observed the Passover, they were still slaves in Egypt, but they had a great promise. God had already foreordained in the book of Genesis that they would come out with a high hand. Our names were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. It's, it's all of, salvation is all of God. The book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 2. 
in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. He makes good on his promises. One would say, well, what if somebody's name is not put there? Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. There will be nobody there that don't want to be there. If one says their name is not there, well, are they acting in faith? We're told in the book of the Gospel of John, This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. My question is, do you want to be saved? If you want to, it's because he put that want to in you. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. One does not like the things of God, does not love the Lord's house. They won't like heaven either. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Man looks for an excuse is what he really likes. Man wants to live like the world, but he wants to be saved in the final analysis. As I said, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. If you want to, if you want salvation, it's because God put that want within you. The book of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 3, Isaiah 43. I used to be able to flip through Bible pages really quick. I can't do it anymore. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable. And I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Now that's speaking to the Jews. Christ, we know, will not lose a single one of his. He made that plain in John's Gospel, the 17th chapter. Verse 2 is, Thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. He ain't going to lose any. Verse 12, None of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. John's Gospel, the 10th chapter. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I will give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Never is a long time. God's wrath passes over us when when he sees the blood, the blood of his Son. That payment's already made. Those of the Exodus... They were leaving Egypt. Let me ask, were they leaving Egypt by faith or by sight? They were glad to get out of Egypt. 
slaves to the grave 24-7. They did not like the bondage, but like man is, they were comfortable. Slavery was all they knew. They're happy to leave it, but when the law came, they sought to return. Some of them did. We, I mean, we've read many times the things that befall them when they left Egypt and went to take the promised land. What we need to always be in guard of is that we learn from the things we read in Scripture. In Romans chapter 9, verse 6, Romans 9, verse 6, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac thy seed shall be called. Just because one is a Jew don't mean they, they were saved. What did they have to look forward to in Egypt, as I mentioned, slave to the grave? What does this present world have to offer us? Not much better. Romans six twenty one. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Scripture also, Romans also tells us be carnal minded is death. Verse twenty two. Romans 6, But now, being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit into holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can have the world and death. You can have the things of God and eternal life, but it's going to be His way. The text we read calls for a new lump. Leave off malice. Leave off glorying. Leave off pride. It seems that the main idea is to be careful as to our conduct. The Israelites were to leave behind the pollutions of the Egyptian life. They were given the law. God didn't have to give them the law. He could have left them alone in their sin and judge them so, so. But in order to become a new people, they were to walk in God's laws. They were to be a clean living people, morally and physically. Lord, we are to do the same. Leave behind the old man is what it all boils down to. We all fight the old man. And there's, there's an old saying, it's like the, the two wolves wrestle with them. Which one gains the upper hand, the one we feed the most? They had to trust in the particular paschal lamb, all by God's design, to be spared from death.
when the high priest once a year made the on, on the great day of atonement sprinkled the blood in the holiest place of all he could only go in there once a year that he had the bells around his robe a rope around his foot if the bells stopped clinking he was dead if there was anything unclean in him all they could do was trust in the high priest That's all they could do. Have faith in the blood that he sprinkled. Exodus chapter 12. Uh, we already looked at this in the morning Bible study. Verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now, that's not their original calendar. It was about six months off, diametrically opposed. It's a spiritual thing. New beginning. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month you shall take every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. We read that this morning. This be about without blemish in the fourteenth day. The whole congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. This is all pointing to Christ when he bare our sins. All this surrounds the Lamb of God. Scripture surrounds Christ. The Old Testament conceals him. All those things about the Lamb. The eighth day... And there's many places in Scripture it talks about the eighth day and the sacrificial lamb. The eighth day points to our Lord's day where Christ was first worshipped as risen Lord and Savior. John's Gospel 1 and verse 29. Now, John the Baptist, he's the one who made this statement in verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming to him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, the Passover Lamb. How did John know that? John's father was a priest. He no doubt he had heard many times about the, the Passover Lamb. When you went to the temple, or the, before that the tabernacle, it was a constant scene of blood animals dying being slaughtered no that just doesn't sound right the world don't like the sound of that well what was it paul stated there in i think we just looked at this past week in romans chapter 7 that which i and then the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be in the death. The things are just quite different than what we think that they are, what the world thinks that they are. This Passover lamb ordeal was a bloody mess. It wasn't a thing of beauty. It was an innocent lamb slain and eaten. The world does not like the what they call the slaughterhouse religion. 
That's what the world calls it anyway. When Abel brought his sacrifice, it was not a pretty thing. I suppose Cain's might have been come in with a basket full of things that he grew. What did that prove? In the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter, Verse 3, But those sacrifices were in remembrance again made of sins every year. All they'd done was push the sins farther ahead one more year. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Like I said, there wasn't a thing of beauty. It said that when Rome... The Roman army overthrew Jerusalem in 70 A.D. The people were starving, but they still carried out their sacrifices. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. And above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wast not, neither hast pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. That's talking about the, the New Testament. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He done it once. Salvation has been secured. It cannot be lost. He's not going to lose it. The original Passover lasted throughout the night. On into the next day. They were to have their shoes on ready to go. And they they went shortly thereafter. The Christian experience is it, it, to last our entire life. We are to be always constantly ready. The original Passover was at night. It was a time of darkness. Well, the world is it's it's it's, it's filled with darkness. Numbers 3 and 13. Because all the firstborn are mine. For on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hallowed unto me all the firstborn of Israel, both man and beast. Mine shall they be. I am the Lord. The Lord has determined which ones are his. I can't tell you who the elect are, but we read about them. God pleased them to choose. Ephesians talks about it, chapter 1. Romans 8 talks about it. Other places talk about it. The night of the Passover was a night of death. The Egyptians suffered death in every house. We also see substitutionary atonement. Had it not been for the death of that lamb, there would have been death in every house because the destroying angel only passed over where he saw the blood. Romans chapter 6 again. Verse 
Verse 4. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. That's what we are told we are to be doing. As I said, the Passover was a time of darkness and it was a time of death. Now the Jews to this day, they have their cedar. They have their saying, their meal is called a cedar. It has to have a bone unbroken with lamb meat on it, an egg, greens, six different things. But they're looking back into antiquity. They, as of yet, have not accepted or received their Messiah. In the book of Exodus, chapter 12, again, verse 37, we know what happened in that Exodus. Of all those six, 600,000, three, six thousand, six hundred thousand, three thousand and fifty and three, I think, something like that. Only two of them made it into the promised land. That's a warning for us. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 12. I'm in the wrong book. Exodus 12 and 37. <clears throat> and the children of Israel <clears throat> journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 600, men on foot, on foot that were men with children, and a mixed multitude went up also with them of flocks and herds of much cattle. But only two of them made it. This is to be a warning for us. There's another warning if we read about the thief, two thieves on the cross. Christ is able to save. One of the thieves, as we know, believed. And the Lord told him that day he'd be with him in paradise. The other thief rejected. There is, as the saying goes, there is one deathbed repentance God grants that man may not despair but only one that man may not presume. Scripture has its warnings throughout. We're to walk in newness of life. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I think this is right, verse verse. Well, let's start with verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. 
and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all did eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these sayings were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. We look, ain't got time to look at it just right now. We'll look at it in the afternoon message. The brazen serpent. Where, as Christ made reference in the Gospel of John, the third chapter, as Moses lifted up the serpent, so would the Son of Man be lifted up. Well, verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And, of course, we know that those that looked upon the brazen serpents lived. Back to what we were reading there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> The warning is God was not pleased with many of them and they didn't make the promised land. Neither did Moses. Neither did Aaron. Now, we know that the gospel is the power of God into salvation. The book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Do you trust Christ's finished works, your only hope of salvation? For we, verse 3, which have believed, do enter into rest. As he said, I have sworn in my wrath that if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in, in David, the day after so long a time as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For had Jesus, which is Old Testament Joshua, had given them rest, they would not have afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest unto the people of God. This is pointing toward the Lord's day where Christ came forth from the tomb and was first worshipped as risen Lord and Savior. It's the eighth day. It's the first day of the week. The eighth day is a continuation of the seventh. This is the Passover that we're talking about. Christ has been sacrificed for us. Back to Hebrews chapter 10 and we'll close. 
Lo, I come, verse 7, in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Christ came to do the Father's will, to make his, give his life a ransom for many. Do you trust in him as the only Savior of sinners? Only, the only Savior of sinners. In all the religions of the world, there's only one that provides an atonement. The only Savior of sinners, that's Christ. Let us stand and we'll sing. <laughs> 